0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. Hey, welcome back to the Compassionate Capitalist Show. Uh, I have an interesting talk, topic that I'm going to talk, share with you today. And it's sort of, uh, I guess it's a timeliness because sometimes I take for granted what people think or know about this idea of compassionate capitalism and the compassionate capitalist movement and like the, what my show is all about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I had a, a gentleman, a friend of mine, uh, contact. We were at a networking event the other night for this really great entrepreneur program or network that I'm a part of called the Indus Entrepreneur Tie Thai Entrepreneur. And uh, I do a lot of mentoring there uh, for their up and coming young entrepreneurs that are associated with the college. Uh, in fact, my uh, last three years, my companies have either, I went from being a judge to being a mentor sitting on the other side of the table and my companies have either one placed first or second for the last three years. So uh, it's, it's one of those skills I have in helping entrepreneurs understand what investors are looking for. And also one of the things that I, I now have packaged up for the investors that buy my book and, and join in on the National Network of Angels and Investors that I um, will help them screen a company and identify those red flags because Uh, I can do it. I had a guy contact me today and I don't know, 10 minutes. I had all his things that he needed to work on outlined out of, you know, yeah, there's more than that, but you know, the real, the stuff that uh, on the surface, it looked real good. Why not? But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I've just been doing for the last 15 years. And decided I really needed to put it into um, play because if I'm going to create this compassionate capitalist movement, I really have to take away the friction for what a um, investor new to the idea of investing to entrepreneurs would encounter. And it's a lot of times it's what they don't know, they don't know. They, they don't know until they've lost their money that they shouldn't have made that investment. And then so much of it becomes all very apparent to them. Like, of course, I should have not invested in that of course they needed to fix this or that or the other and you know don't lose your money or waste your time hire me (laughs) so anyway this guy at this event said to me so karen he had just started listening to the compassionate capitalist show and had become very enamored with my message uh and he said uh what would you do if you had a, if I gave you a hundred million dollars, if I just had that no strings attached, what would you do with it? It's like, that's easy. A hundred, I was like, uh, well, okay. A hundred million really doesn't matter. 10 million, a million dollars. Right. What would I do? I would take the steps necessary to ensure the legacy of compassionate capitalism and the compassionate capitalist movement is, is weaved into the fiber of the United States and, and potentially beyond uh, the same way, as I say, a lot of times real estate, you know, investing is in the fight. There's nuances of it. There's niches here and there. There's different methods to get started. There's different methods to be successful at it. There's funds, but one of the key things is that there's a lot of education and there's a lot of resources available to get better at, making real estate investment decisions or even within like whole entities of REITs and things like that. um, These investment trusts that will, you know, invest the money for you. So there's lots of options to participate in real estate and uh, no matter, you know, different stages. Although in general, it all takes a lot more money than angel investing does or the whole basis of investing in entrepreneurs and what we have today in, the um, with the Jobs Act and direct public offering. So first thing I would do, I told him is that I would create the di- digital courses that I am trying to figure out how to do right now. Um, my book, I, you know, some of you might've heard me talk about this, but my book, it's here for those who are watching, you know, I always have this banner behind me and here's my book here. And I, and I realized <laughs> As amazing to me as many years as this book has been out. And as much as I understand the value and opportunity of digital courses, I had not put two and two together that my book is like a walking, ready to go digital course with every chapter has a, what to do next. Here's what you learned. Here's what you're going to learn, you know, all of that stuff. So it's like, it's, it's, it's queued up and ready to roll. Uh, I just have to have have the time, resources, and money to do that, right? Everything takes time, money, and resources. But I would have courses that was everything from millennials wanting to get into crowdfunding because I get that question every time I'm um, have an opportunity to be on a stage to talk about compassionate capitalism, there's always a hand that goes up. Uh, what, it, what, how do millennials do this? I'm a millennial. I'd like to invest in crowdfunding companies. Do you have a roadmap for that? Cause my, my book is really more towards traditional type of angel investing and the, that, Retail investor, those uh, execs and companies that are accredited, I mean, making over $250,000 a year. You know, so on. uh, There's about 7 million that are making $350,000 a year in the United States based off of W 2s, with less than 3% of that participating in angel investing or investing in entrepreneurs. We could just unlock some of that capital. Just think of all the problems that we could solve in the world. In in the U.S., when it comes to so many things that, you know, would that solve big problems, Um, not just, you know, another game to play on your phone, but actually, you know, solve things that give us economic equality, you know, uh, no, no need for uh, food deserts in these abandoned communities that have had a capital flight out of them and a people flight out of them that they get into a spiral of, um, of just scratch and by ghost towns. Anyway, there's ways to change that. And so, um, I would, I would do, do courses specifically and, you know, find them where they are, of the, those types of investors that have, you know, big that make big salaries on their W-2s, they've got million-dollar 401ks. They want to invest wholesale before it goes retail to get a better better ROI, a better return on their investment than they do on the stock market. They they have some real estate investments, but they like the idea of investing in stocks. They just, just realize that there is no impact when you buy a public company's stock. You're not creating jobs. You're not you're not bringing innovation to the market. You're buying and selling from another stockholder. You're just you're just making them money with the hope that with the stock will go up and you'll make more money. You'll make money on it, but the company itself doesn't benefit from that other than maybe having leverage to take out some loans because their stock value has gone up you know, but that's, uh, and they can maybe compensate their executives. Like that's a problem these days, <laughs> compensate that, or they could just raise prices. You know, they can either, you know, their stock value goes up and they can, you know, which which is what happened when so many companies bought back their stock after the, uh, the tax break that occurred in 2017 for corporations and their executives. And they were able to buy back a lot of stock and, and further compensate the executives, while not paying their entry level and even their managers uh, money to uh, sufficient to live on and support a family of two, or three, right? And so they're, um, you know, but they're right now they're just uh, re- they're just raising prices to, to accomplish the same. <laughs> I digress, but I would and I would become a real economics proponent. I would talk economics on stages on that. I would also develop weekend workshops, excursions with training, speed dating with entrepreneurs, and syndication of deals at those events to get companies funded that had been screened and qualified to participate. We had started to, to launch that. And the, when the Great Recession hit in 2018, it was going to be called. It was AIM, the Angel Investor Matchup. We had this whole idea of, of you know how they were going to do recreation and and um, and events, you know how we would have a reverse capital uh, forum. There was just there was a, a whole framework that we had planned out as a pivot from our Southeast Private Equity Conference. That we saw as as not really um, fitting the need in the marketplace, from you know these venture capital comp- conferences and uh, startup angel investor conferences and things like that. We were going to you know be very much more, more proactive in the process of developing the relationships that entrepreneurs need to find the right kind of advisors and the right kind of investors when they're early on. So we would do that. I would uh, really move the ball forward within a, a community, within the National Network of Angel Investors, the, the organization that I manage to get a membership in when you buy the book and log into the resource portal. Just a basic level. So I would expand the levels of membership in that, uh, You know, a different perks associated with that. We throw a little NFTs in there. Um, and uh, as part of uh, an idea I have, uh, just all kinds of, uh, of things that I wanna do with the National Network of Angel and Investors that will have a great impact and really move this idea of compassionate capitalism forward, that it's something that everybody talks about, that they understand that you know, c- together we solve the problems because of, of the capital that's available in, in people's bank accounts and their investment accounts that just needs to be reallocated towards entrepreneurs that have the ideas and the passion to solve some of the biggest world problems, right? I would, uh, and I'll talk about some two, right, in particular that I, I would definitely step up to. I'd write a book and pay Forbes. I'd write another book. I'm working with a very dysfunctional type of, of writer helping me. I say dysfunctional, this team of people that are trying to help me get this next book out. And uh yeah, it was uh not the best investment I made in that. Uh chose it, chose the wrong people, I think. But it is what it is, um, and I'm, I'm working my way through it with the goal of getting this book called Scale out into the marketplace that is this great um, the great capital abyss for those companies that have raised an angel round and uh, didn't get their next round of capital, or to VCs, they've raised their angel and their series A from VCs, but they didn't get the next round of capital, so they kind of get stuck. I often call those on this show uh, Hall Martin's term, payroll exit. But also I was talking to a VC at the same event and he called them zombies. Right. But every when you when you talk about the 10 companies that you've invested in or that's the formula that they always use. And and there's going to be, you know, the three that go belly up. There's three or four that, you know, just kind of Peter along, not really doing much. They might be they might you know, you might get your money out of them. And then there's the three that the, the three that do or the two that do really well that you know give you a triple, if you will. And then there's one that hits it out of the park and makes it up for all the others, right? That's that's the formula that they all use. I don't know if they still do analysis on that or whether that's really valid, but that's the formula everybody used. Well, those companies, those three or four in the middle that are the zombies or the payroll exits or the flatliners, those would be ones that I would teach them, that's what this book is, is to get their passion back, to be able to um, know what they got to do to go raise capital, to do direct public offerings and general solicitation. And what is it going to take to actually do that and be prepared to attract that retail investor's money? And then how do you exit out of that to give you and everybody else the opportunity to create wealth? So I w- And I would hire Forbes Publishing to make it a bestseller. And I'd go on the talk show circuit and cable news. And, you know, this compassionate capitalist movement would be on fire. OK, and I'd create jobs. I'd hire people I'd have internally. I'd, I'd hire a publicist. I'd hire web marketing. I'd get better podcast production. Uh, thank you so much for your generous spirit to uh, for all you that are listening, because I know I don't have the best sound quality on this. I know that I do this on a a a wing and a prayer and a shoestring budget because I'm just so passionate about getting the information out there to you. And I just don't have the time to do the rest of, you know, this high production that I hear of some of the best shows that are out there that have snippets of the conversation and highlights and things like that. I would do that and I would, I would work this show so that it would be, I would professionalize it. I would get better sound, it wouldn't be in my office with my bulletin board of inspiration and calendar on the wall, you know, or my random art in the back. All of it means something to me. I'd love for somebody to interview me sometime and say, tell me about the art on your wall. And what is that collection of bobbleheads you have up there on the top of your shelf, Garrett? You know, I, I because I don't know, I think to me, I think it's an appeal. I would love for you to tell me if it's appealing. If you watch me and you see this stuff, you know, and and the way I'm just sort of real about what i'm talking about if that's appealing to you comment all right i can handle it and um i want this show i don't want to get in the way of the information that i provide in the show but sometimes i just have to i have to express myself because it is my show (laughs) and i am passionate about the information that i share on this all right so you know i would uh i'd attract sponsors You know, I would make this show a top 10 on every platform and even number one in some markets, right? I would have sponsors that would want to, you know, tag along and be reached out to my audience. A local law firm that hosted this event, I'm going to propose to them you know, where a sponsor, and if you are listening to this and you are somebody that's a service provider in that space, or you have a really great accountant or lawyer or financial person that you work with that you think, or, or a, another service provider that you're using that you think would benefit from being a part and promoted within this show. Uh, I've heard a great Way that it was done on a show that I listened to the other day, where I would have an interview with the aunt, with the company, and then in the rest of that month we would do a snippet of that as part of an ad, um, and inserted in you know into so it it was relevant and interesting as part of it you know versus just come brought to you by so and so right, and it would be you know part and parcel consistent with the show. And I, that would be ideal. I've been very hesitant to take on sponsors because I want or just offer it up to, the services out there that, that sell sponsorships for you, because I don't want just any sponsor. I want a sponsor that will benefit my audience of entrepreneurs and investors that they will, they would, they would want to use those services or that want to buy something from that company, because that company is solving a problem that they're in. They're facing themselves, the investors to the companies that they're investing in or a problem they have you know, that it would be something like that. So those are the sponsors that I'm, I'm looking for. And then I would really grow the national network of angel investors with very targeted outreach to to grow book sales. I'd have another. series. This is supposed to be inside secrets to angel investing is the first of a series. The intention is to be like uh, Sue, Sharon Lecter and, and Robert Kiyosaki and have a whole series of like they have the rich dad series um you know Sharon Lecter was interviewed on my show here not too long ago and even uh just what uh, a couple weeks ago I had Blair Singer on both of them are part of of the whole family of the Rich Dad series of books and I was honored for them to reach out to me to ask to be on my show and uh be a part of my show um and uh and so I you know that's all part of I would. I I have so much that I want to bring to market, and sponsors would help me do that. A publicist would help me do that. Somebody picking up my book and wanting me to write it, giving me some kind of a advance to write the next book. I want to do one that's specific to crowdfunding, investing, and feeding into this. I want to do a book that's for women entrepreneurs and women investors. The idea was is to do a, a flip flop, right? So. You would flip the book over, you're an entrepreneur, you read this part and then read the other, you read that because they are kind of all integrated and connected in a way, you know, with the whole idea that we want women to be more empowered to feel like they could, they could be an entrepreneur and play in this game of the patriarchal game, as well as on the investor side. You know, there's no reason why this needs to be a boys game. Women can totally participate in both sides of the table on this. I want to write a book about that. You know, I want to write a book very specific to compassionate capitalism and, and the economic impact that they can have. And so there's, you know, that would be almost like the cash flow quadrant in uh, Kiyosaki's world, because it, it really set up the the economics and the financial fundamentals of moving from being an employee and self-employed to a business owner and investor. So, you know, that would be a part of it. I would I would grow that network because I would write these books, get get the right people behind it to push it instead of myself doing all of the promoting and pushing I would, um, we would have the book sales to them. They They would grow that community. We'd have course content, really growing the levels of the membership so that some courses are included with your membership. We'd have syndication, these due diligence services, we would have a have a very specific uh, set aside for due diligence and syndication, and the investors would be paying for that instead of the entrepreneurs, right? Uh, we would syndicate with direct investments from my network of the my launch funding network that's the hundreds of VCs that I'm connected with, the dozens and dozens of private equity funds, the family offices, the angel investors that are all part of my launch funding network. And then, you know, and, I'll, and, and married that up with, partnered up with direct public offerings on the four different platforms that you have, methods that you can use for that. And I'd be an active, compassionate capitalist. I would invest in entrepreneur endeavors that bring innovation to the market, create jobs and create wealth for all those involved i leading that investment, inviting the members of my national network of angel investors to participate or even have a, a fund that they put in. And then like it would be an angel fund and then they would, uh, I would make those decisions, but then they would do the due diligence and the responsibility on that. And then they could add on to it if they want, right? They, they like that deal over this deal, they would add on to it. So that would be a part of it. And I would look at the kinds of companies that I would invest in are like the Betterment Land Corp. I did an interview with them back in 2020. They're the ones that took an abandoned coal field and turned it into a, a, a bee sanctuary uh, that created honey, that they created a, a distillery or for a mead wine and they have a bar there that people work at and make that and distribute it. They distribute honey all over the place. They, have, um, they sell their bees. The farms around that area have prospered as a result of access to local bees to do the pollinating because guess what? That's what, what we need pollinators. We don't get produce if we don't pollinate it. And uh, they've created uh, affordable housing for the very poor in that community, which because of, of the abandonment of industry in those areas, they are extremely uh, riddled with poverty. And in uh, and, and providing, you know, all different, uh, they, they've got a, a tire and trash recycling that produces other outputs of products, all kinds of stuff that they've done in the, up in the Appalachian Mountains. I would look to invest in something like vertical farming from Eden Green Technology. I did an interview with them. Back in also in 2020, I believe, uh, and, and in that case, they go into these old warehouses in these food deserts. I, I mentioned that earlier, there's these food deserts where um, the capital flight out of communities a lot of times because of redlining and the changes in school districts and things like that back during the desegregation. They've they really created a lot of these communities. Um, they don't have health care. They don't have access to fresh food. They don't have access to uh, medical uh, medical services. They don't have access to academic services. They don't have access to um, educate, you know, uh, just everything. Child care, they don't have access to child care. You know, those areas I would buy. But by putting something like this in, you create jobs. It is basically vertical farming that can produce so much produce out of them uh, under hydroponics that they can also create a, a co-op so that that people of specific economic need would be able to just get free lettuce and tomatoes and, you know, things that they could cook that would be fresh, but it would also be attached to a retail store, uh, uh, and a food market, uh, and a and a small, um, uh, a small, uh, you know, food court kind of a thing. That they would, you know, I, I that they would, you know, be able to go in there and and it like it's a million dollars to do an investment in one of those things, and it returns on investment very quick. Uh, But that would also, there's a lot in those areas where there's abandoned elementary schools. Um, I worked on a project that we just got, it got messed up in its, um, in uh, some of the ownership issues, but it was a great idea that they were going to take an old abandoned elementary and high school and convert them into tech schools and uh, disabled veteran rehab housing um, along with a, a food court, a, a, an urgent care facility, a pharmacy, uh, you know, you know all the and build out with a live work play environment, and you would, and particularly in some of these locations, because even though they are uh, a desert within themselves and an economic wasteland, if you will, they're often neighboring thriving communities. So if you if you could turn that around, it becomes a very affordable place for uh, first-time home buyers to be able to go in there if they've got some of the services that they expect and, and be a part of building that community back into something that is equivalent to their, their neighboring areas that are thriving. And I would go, one of the things that I wanted to do when the Opportunity Zone funds first came out, the Opportunity Zones, was... I'd seen where like at the HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities in the Atlanta area, they were food deserts. Right. Whereas like Georgia State and Georgia Tech had all these dorms around in downtown. They're buying up all these buildings. They have all of these options for these kids to be able to go and eat and entertain themselves and study and all kinds of stuff but when I was looking to invest in a house over by the over in that area and nothing nothing not even housing for the students I was stunned and over in Georgia State and Georgia Tech they have all these entrepreneur incubators and accelerators and and uh, sponsorship from big corporations to you know underwrite the development that these kids are doing and nothing over at the HBCUs ah. So I really wanted to go in there and take over some of the those old dilapidated, you know, warehouse facilities or whatever. And, you know, some of the um, houses and empty lots and build up live, work, play. It would have uh, retail on the bottom, have a laundromat, have a store, have a little restaurant, have, you know, stuff that people need to live, a hairdresser, you know, those kinds of things. And then. Um, second level would be a co-working space and an incubator space. And then we would have living on levels three, four, five, you know, where you create your own little economic opportunity there, but it provides housing for those students that really just don't have, didn't have access to. Uh, it just was really stunning to me. Yeah, there's some dorms, but, but not the kind that you have around these other campuses where there's all kinds of apartments and things around that for people to live, and therefore businesses open up there. You know, you create economic opportunity and none of that. And, and unfortunately, and there's, you know, some of these areas, in some parts of, of rural states there's little universities down there but they also kind of become nothing going on there and nothing that's exciting no entrepreneurism coming out of those areas and this would be a way to really tap into the the uh, the those sparking brainwaves of students college students and the ideas that they create i would i would so love to do that and uh, and similarly within the film industry, um, I, we had an idea because Georgia's got one of the best tax credits around. But we always are having it's always this every year. It's like, oh, are they going to renew it? Oh, are they going to renew it? You know, because we don't want to have happen in, in Georgia like what happened in Florida, where all you have is people coming in and filming here and leaving. Now they've added stuff for editing and things like that, but they still, they don't they originate. How many how many ideas of the creatives, the screenplays, the ideas are coming out of Georgia that also get filmed and produced here. Other than Tyler Perry, there's really not a lot going on and look at, but you'd think, you know, look at the, the economic empire, the financial empire, the entertainment empire that Tyler Perry has created and, you know, any, we could do that. A studio could do that. They could, they could cultivate the creatives, but they don't all the studios here. Well, we, well, we had Pinewood, which is now uh, truest, but they're doing Marvel. You know, they're doing big name things. They're not generating new content that comes out of the local community. Yeah. They're creating jobs, but it's not the full, thing you know and you throw a little peach at the end of the sea at the end in the trailer and they get their tax credits but what about something that came from the creatives here you know and um i had worked on that with my friend bernadette trying to figure out a way to to solve that problem get a little fun together do this kind of stuff and we just couldn't do it you know and we when before tyler perry bought the uh mcdonough our uh, old army base to make into Tyler Perry studios. We were looking at that, and I really wanted to do uh, a, a live work play over in that area where we developed film tech in Georgia. So the innovation that is needed and advancement of, of film technology. There's stuff going on at Georgia Tech about that, but why not develop that into full companies here and take these ideas and be near a studio that you could um, do that live, work, play, just like I described for the HBCUs, but do it for, um, for uh, you know, around these studios. We could do it. I, I tried to encourage our economic development um, council in Uh, Fayette County to look at doing something like that near Truist Studios and, you know, applying for economic development funds to do that. And their attitude was like, we don't have any economic problems down here in Fayette County. Oh, They're so naive. They just want to give away tax dollars to the big companies instead of growing your small companies to be big companies and generating revenue and jobs that way. So that's the heart of a lot of my economic stories. And so whether it was a a million or 10 million, 100 million, those are the kind of things that me, Karen Rands, as the founder of the Compassionate Capitalist Movement, would do. And I would uh, bring to market to leave my thumbprint on the world. Uh, If you haven't seen my thumbprint on the world, uh, a little gift video, digital video, uh, please go look for that. Maybe I'll put the link in my, in, in my show notes and the, those two podcasts that I mentioned earlier, those links are in the show notes as well. So thank you again for tuning in to the compassionate capitalist show. Uh, this is probably not one of those you share with other people, but go find another show to share. <laughs> uh, it's through your sharing, through your liking this, giving it the five stars or whatever that I grow in the ranks with it and other people are able to find me. I have had people contact me because they listen to my show out of the blue. And as much as they tell me, you know, these uh, uh, PR people that contact me to get guests on the show. You know, they say I have a thousand downloads a day, which is just really amazing to me because i I haven't seen any stats that actually say that. So I'm I'm excited about that. But uh, yeah, you know, I've got I'm at, at about 450 thousand downloads, but I don't really know what that means on a daily basis. I don't have those. Uh, Blog Talk Radio doesn't really provide. They say they provide those stats, but. Um, I feel like I'm getting a lot more listeners given to my ranking and Apple and things like that than what they indicate. So uh, with that, there's probably more information than you care, but you just got a little bit of insight into me and, and my generous heart and what I want to do with the Compassionate Capitalist Movement. So please help me. Join me with that. Uh, you know, if you've not gone to subscribe at KarenRands.co uh, on the contact page, please do. And if you, um, and to get my, my, my little video tidbits, if you've not bought the book inside sequence to angel investing, it's the best 20 bucks you'll ever spend. Literally. You know, when you, when you talk about the value of the information that's in here, um, if you haven't shared one of my podcasts, please go do that. If you haven't subscribed on the channel, you're listening to this now, please go do that. If you've not given me a review, please go do that. If you have bought the book and haven't given me a review, please go do that. Um, if you haven't given me a testimonial on my website, please go do that. Uh, just, you know, help help amplify what I'm trying to accomplish. Be a part of the Compassionate Capitalist Movement. And let's move this forward. Let's spread the word so more entrepreneurs can get access to the capital that need, they need and wealth can be created on both sides of the table, generational wealth, because those are the two best sources of creating wealth, being an entrepreneur or being an an investor in a successful entrepreneur. And with that, I will say thank you. Onwards and upwards. Have a great day.